I can't stop dancing. Yo, can you hear me? Taco Ho! Please say finish Behold, finish Get out of my way! Hello. Hello. Oh, what? Oh, <laughs> Your voice. Can I say it again? You've been out clubbing too much, haven't you? <laughs> <It's not like laughs> Hello. Hello. This is Finish, Finish Big. I'm Mark. And I'm Joe. And we are listening our way through all of Big Finish in order. We are. I need to put in a disclaimer before we start this episode. And that is, I've got a little bit of a sore throat this week. And... Uh, Mark chivalrously suggested that we hold off the recording, but no, there's nothing I would do to change the schedule to finish big. <laughs> but I just wanted to say, so you might see me slurping down some, sorry, so you might hear me slurping down some <laughs> strawberry jelly um, because it, it helps to lubricate my throat. But as you can hear, my voice has never sounded sexier. <laughs> well, we are back on the Dot 2 main range this well, time. I've been waiting for this for a while, haven't we? It feels, it feels a while. Yeah, we've had all these other series, Judge Dread to fit in and all that. No, do you know what it is? It's because we did all those Paul McGann ones. Yeah, oh, because so it, it didn't a... feel like it was the main yeah, range. It was all it was. the same Doctor. Now we're yep. back, back in fourth from Peter Davidson, Carlin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. Oh, and we can't wait. We love them. So, shall I tell you which stories we're talking about today? Mm-hmm. Okay, they are... Spare parts. Abolish doctors. Someone call a mechanic. Ish. How can a word be alive? The rapture. By having a manic depressive for your best friend, you don't have to take care of your own problems. And the Sandman. So you see, Evelyn, I am every bit the monster they perceive me to be. It is a little bit of a mixed bunch, but you and I have recently been embarking on Once and Future and our instant finishes. Oh, yes. And I've got to say, even the stories I disliked here were trying new things. They were experimental. They were interesting. And they were trying. I don't want to be too much, oh, it was better in the, the old days, but... It was better it in the old days. absolutely was when you listen to these ones. Even the Rapture, which I think is the weakest one here, even that is absolutely packed with trying new stuff. Yeah. In a way that they just don't do anymore. Yes, I have. Well, let's start going into them, because we, I think we've got Straight different opinions. Way. Well, we've got a lot to get through. You can't wait to jump on these, can oh, you? No, let's go. Go on. <laughs> okay. So first, we have Spare Parts, released in July 2002, with Peter Davison as the Doctor, and Sarah Sutton returning as Nyssa again. Uh, this also features Sally Nevette. Paul Copley, Darren Nesbitt, and Catherine Guck. <laughs> That's what she says. G-U-C-K. Who the hell is Catherine Guck? She's Yvonne Hartley, so I've got to mention her. Oh, I thought it was Yvonne Hartman. No, that's the that's the TV version. Oh, is there Nick yeah, to come in? Yeah, see, it's one hard lead. We need to talk about how Spare Parts in no way reflects mm. the content of Brass Assignment and Age of Steel. Well, this was written by Mark Platt, mm. directed by Gary Russell. Oh, yes. 
with music by Russell Stone. Yeah. Now, this one, a bit like Chimes of Midnight, it's always up there, isn't it? I want to get into Big Finish. Oh, you've got to listen to Spare Parts. It's the best one. Chimes of Midnight, it's the best one. They're, they're so amazing. They both got brought out on vinyl as well. Why is it that this one as well is up there? What well, it is very, very it good. It is very good for I, I don't your think it's flawless. Main range Doctor Who story. Gary Russell thinks it's flawless. That's one of my bits of trivia, is that he thinks this is a peerless script. And I, I do think there are problems here. I'll tell you what it is. Is I think this is too obvious to be an out-and-out classic. Doing the Genesis of the Sidemen is an obvious idea to do, because Genesis of the Daleks was so popular. I don't know. I'm just trying to think, like, when did it start being described as that and as a classic and this is the one and i mean I've, I've got it at the time no this had a great reception at and the did time. it yes in doctor who magazine tv zone magazine anywhere it was reviewed on the forums this was rapturously received unlike the rapture i think, I think there's been better like bigger classics in the doctor who range since what about but i think prior? maybe if you're looking at up to this point then it's one of them. Yeah, I can see how it is. But I don't know if it should have stood the test of time. I don't know why it stood the test of time as much. Well, see, I've kind of gone the other way because I didn't like this. I mean, I liked it when I was younger. I think I gave it an 8 out of 10 on Doctor Reviews. And now I'd probably give it a 9. I think it is a classic. I just don't think it is the definitive classic. It is very suspenseful. It has a great storyline that ramps up the tension throughout. It does have a brilliant explanation as to why the Cybermen came to be. It's got excellent characterisation of the Doctor and Nyssa, brilliant secondary characters, and a great production. Well, what brings you in, and it's it's a very strong story for Nyssa. Nyssa O'Trakan, you mean? Nyssa O'Trakan, yeah. It's really strong for her. Mm. I don't think she hasn't... I mean, she had Primeval. That's a different kind of story dun, for her. Dun, but dun, this dun. one... I really like you get into the world because it's her with the family and getting to know them and spending time and she's not had that chance to shine at at all in any of the stories we've had so far I mean you know I love Winter of the Adept and all of that but this really stood out that this is a a Nyssa story well I made a few notes about Nyssa O'Trakan in here and you tell me what you think about this I said she was strong-willed snippy resourceful she misses her family. She's willing to stay behind mm. when the Doctor isn't and stop the genesis of the Cybermen. She weaponizes the death of Adric and she like viciously accuses Dr. Man Allen in the later episodes of being responsible for all of this. So in terms of giving a sort of um, material for Sarah Sutton to get her teeth into, she's mm. never had anything like this before. And it's right from the off as well. There's this world, and it's a, it's very cleverly done, because at first you're like, is this Earth? It's yeah. very Earth-like. The, the sort of clues there, but it's very slow to reveal. Don't and they then, say it's like London inside a massive cave, isn't it? It's, so it's inside... It, it's, it's underground, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. In, like, stone I've chambers, actually, that's I've what they I've only actually say. got that this time listening. Oh, <laughs> <really>. <laughs> and, and so outside of the caves, on the surface, that's become completely inhospitable. Mm. So in order to send people out there, normal suits don't do. They literally mm. have to replace people's parts to send them out there. But because it, the conditions are so harsh out there, uh, it drives people mad. So 
they make the very chilling decision to those sort of people that are sending up to the surface to remove their emotions mm. so they don't go crazy. It's and a brilliant a idea. Slippery it's a slippery slope. It's a very, very good idea. But also Nissa's interaction with that family and if those characters weren't as strong, yeah, they really are with the dad and the brother and the sister. Well, I think that works so well. It's really that so many people, so many writers get wrong with the Cybermen is he gives it an emotional call. Yeah. So because because one of my trivia points is that the brother, whose name eludes me now, he was originally supposed to be who is it? Frank. Frank. He was originally supposed to be the one that was turned into a Cyberman, Mm. and then Platt actually said no. It would be better drama and more terrible for Nissa if it's the girl. And then as she makes Nissa have a friendship with the girl in the first episode, and then the girl's returned home as a Cyberman, because it really drives mm. home the horror mm. of all of this. I mean, that is really well done. And I'm more invested following that side of the story than the Doctor and oh, Thomas Sally Dog. It's amazing well, no, in this. A, 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 To begin with, it's with that Thomas character, oh, isn't Thomas it? Oh, Thomas yeah. So when he's off there, I'm... Because well, they're separated for quite a lot of the story, so... I thought I'm more invested in Nissa and the family and what's going on there. And this is the cyber catcher. That's a great image as well. Like sort of rat catcher. The dad is, isn't he? The dad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Thomas Dodd, they say, is a... He's a black marketeer, a purveyor of bodily parts. Mm. So I think they're trying to go for the body horror as well. Because mm. he's tra- he's basically... Aren't they digging up graves or something like that to get yeah, spare to get parts? Yeah, that's how well it's from. So you mentioned this earlier... There's is a credit for Mark Platt, isn't there, in Doomsday? Is it Doomsday or Rise sure. of the Cybermen? Or maybe Rise of the Cybermen. Not yeah. Rise of the Cybermen. I think it's Rise of the Cybermen and Agents. Because you've got Yvonne Hartman that gets turned into a Cybermen. I don't think it's needed. No. I don't know, understand why people say that it's there, like there is, a remake. There's elements, but it's the same for any Cyberman story. I'd put the credit I, on World Enough of Time. But then the World Doctor Enough Falls. of Time... That is basically this story. I visualise that it's <clears throat> that yeah. world. Yeah. Absolutely, for World Enough and Time. And there was, was there a credit on that at all or anything? Well, there should have been. What you've got to remember is Moffat, you know, he's been cherry-picking Lawrence Miles' work for ages and shoving mm. it into his TV Doc 2. Now he's doing Mark Platt's as well. He's yeah. not above doing a little bit of looking over yeah. his shoulder. And what but it takes it a bit is... further, I think, in World Enough and Time. Oh, God, it's ghastly. He shoots, yeah. shoots a bloody great hole through Bill. Yeah, and all of the pain stuff and everything. Oh, God, yeah. Pain, pain. Uh, good evening, officer. Identify yourself. Civilian movement is forbidden during hours of curfew. No blank mask yet. Still recognisably human for all the augmented bodywork. Identify yourself. But not as advanced as I'd anticipated. That's encouraging. Um, he says he's a doctor man. And this one says he's a paragon of virtue, but I wouldn't believe either of us. Stand up. I was standing up before you knocked me down. Thank you, officer. I enjoyed this. I just, it's never an absolute classic. I think I prefer the beginning of the story. And then as it goes on, I think I just get a bit more. I think Is there enough to I cover for? I until the last episode. And then all that stuff with the doctor's body print. Being, yeah. being the template for the Cybermen. I, you know, I will not be the template for your mm. monstrosities mm. and all that. And don't get me wrong, it gives Peter Davison to rail. I it's mean, his strongest performance in this yeah, range so far. He loves his Absolutely. Script. You can tell he loves his Absolutely. script. And the argument with him and Nyssa is a 
really good moment. Yes, because like, they have spent a good number of stories now developing those characters and mm. their relationship. They're back in it now. And then they're having an argument and she suddenly just turns around and goes, it's a pity you didn't realise that when it came to Adric. And then he goes, oh, so much for things being unsaid. Hey. And this is the first time Adric's mentioned, I think, because he comes up yeah. a lot in these. Later on. It's always much later on. And fairly recently in releases in the Tegan and this one, they're always like, well, Adric, or but I wouldn't that's put, I And wouldn't, it's happened so much now that you're just like, oh, but this is the first time. I think that's quite a nice. I, th- I would imagine Tegan doing that. The, the fact yeah. that Nissa does Well, that's it the thing. I think. Shocking. Obviously, you haven't got Janet Fielding in this mm. or in Big Finish at the time. Could you see this as a Tegan and Fifth Doctor story? Yeah. That argument, but I think it is most, it's so surprising because you would not imagine any of this coming from Nyssa. Well, I don't think the all. relationship between Nyssa and the girl would work as well if it was Tegan and the girl. No, Tegan wouldn't have that relationship. Uh, so it's, it's perfect for Nyssa. Can I just say, I absolutely fucking love the committee voice, which reminds me so much of the Battlestar Galactica Cylons. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So, basically, the idea of the committee is it's like 20 heads or something stitched together. You see, I imagine it so more like... It's like the Cyber Planner. I've, in my mind, it's the Cyber but Planner. They do say it's 20 heads stitched together. Okay. And I, I just imagine it's in like a dark room with all these electric flickers going about, these horrible heads all mushed up together. Oh, it's a great idea. Like that girl in um, Parting of the Ways. Or wide up. But scarier. Mm. More gruesome. Like you know? cy- like sock cyber faces. Mm. And i got to say, the imagery in this was fantastic as well. There's like descriptions of the snow coming into the city and then the Cyberman lights sort of cutting through the snow as they start marching through. To do- so the best scene, I think, is where they realise that the committee's made the choice that no... We're not going to try and fix the roof anymore because the planet is doomed. We're just going to change all the people. And when they all realise that, suddenly everyone's fucking desperate mm. because they know they're all going to be turned into Simon. So Sister Man Constant, who's this creepy old woman. She's brilliant, isn't she? She's suddenly being dragged down the corridor. Well, she has a, a, arm, a bone broken. broken or something, yeah. And then, yeah, she's dragged into a conversion chamber. It's great. That, that, all of that's and great. And even stuff. though they, she's... Because she comes in and she's sort of like this horrible person that yeah. argues with Nissa and the family and everything. She's got a voice a bit like mine right and now. she's like very... But even... Nissa and Kraken, and I think it is. You're not supposed to like her. No. Then even when that happens to her and stuff, you're like, you still feel like, oh, this shouldn't be happening. No, do you I feel really sorry for You do feel sorry for her, even though it's set up that she could have been a baddie at the beginning. So I actually I think that the best mood they capture is the desperation. Yeah. That's really, sort really going out of control. Down. And because we do start to like a lot of those characters, and do you know what? I even had a grudging respect for Sally Nevet's character. <gasps> even though she's horrible. She's a, she's a drunk and sardonic and cynical. I don't think she plays it very strong, oh, though. She's great. I don't know. I th- she's the weaker performer. Come on, I mean, it, But you're dead. I mean, it's a, it's a small cast for telling such a big story. Yeah. And I think she is the weaker really? character and the weaker performance for me. Wowzers. I like the bit where um, the Cybermen drag her off to be converted and he says to her, be proud whilst you still have the capacity. (laughs) And a note for Nicholas Briggs, who, you know, I can be occasionally cruel about, his cyber voices in this are bang on. They're very authentic, yeah. Get back, Mm. get back, Mm. get back. Do you have any other gossip for us I've on this story? I've got a ton of trivia. Although I did want to say, I did have a couple of issues okay. with this. 
I thought Frank was annoyingly petulant. Like, he all he does is whinge throughout the entire story, so I didn't really care whether he died or not, if I'm honest. The whole thing about the bottle of wine saving the day. So they introduce oh, yeah. this bottle of wine that Sally Nevette's character's drinking, and essentially what they do is just pour that into the, the, the Cyberman creator, and that stops it all from happening, doesn't it? It's a, it's a bit rubbish. And initially, Mark Platt had the idea, because the alcohol was funneled through to the Cyber Planner, that the Cyber Planner was going to get drunk. So it was actually going to be a bit of a sort of comedy drama scene where the Cyber Planner is like lamenting, ah, oh, I used to be a person. And, you know, yeah. I'm glad they didn't do Gary that. Russell went, no. no, that's got to go. I don't like the music in this. No, you didn't, did you? But it's no. quite minimal. I really love Russell Stone's music as well, but I feel like it's too sci-fi and not enough sort of horror. I would like to have sort of a Dudley Simpson score for this mm. that really drove home the horror, whereas a lot of it is sort of electric, uh, electronic music. It reminded well, yeah, me of, sort of season, mean, you... season 18 and 19. And I know that's the era this is going for, but I feel... Do the music to the tone of the story rather than the area that you're you trying rather, to recreate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have been amazing. No, no. What is it? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, na, na. Dun, na, na. What's that? Um, Earthshock. Earthshock, yes. When coming out. Okay. So, of course, I have some gossipy facts for you. Um, this was originally pitched, not this story... But he was originally going to do a sequel to Lou Guru, written for Colin Baker or Paul McGann. Um, but Mark Platt was not keen to go over new ground. Uh, sorry, old ground even. So Gary Russell suggested the genesis of the Cybermen. Oh, well, we were robbed of another Eleanor Bron werewolf. I know, with Colin we? Baker. With Imagine. Colin Baker, marrying oh, Colin Baker this time, God. probably. It is <laughs> my husband. Oh, hello. <laughs> Evelyn, I'd like you to meet my wife. <laughs> so Mark Platt decided he wanted to write a Cyberman historical, you know, delving back into the, the history of the Cybermen. Uh, he felt as if they'd been reduced to sort of disco robots in the series in the last... And I don't think he's wrong. You look at Silver Nemesis. And they weren't used in their big return to big finish in Sword of Orion. Terrible. Which needed that sequel 15 years later, I've got to say. So he read Jerry Davis's pro- proposed Genesis of the Cybermen, and he said it was very bright and colourful and fantastical. And he said, no, I want to do something darker and grittier and more feasible. Um, he And he wanted to switch it to the Fifth Doctor because he felt the Fifth Doctor was the most sympathetic and least alien Doctors. He'd take more of this personally, which is where your drama is. Um, and he describes Nyssa as a nun with a gun. So he says she's, she's, she's sort of, um, you know, very pious, very haughty, you know, a very moral, but she doesn't mind going around and <laughs> shooting people. That's true. Um, so he wanted to really give her... He wanted to write her up, basically. Mm. Oh, uh, he says, Theatre director Nick Hinter said it was very important to find the right kind of world for a play or an opera to take place in. So he wanted to create the setting first. And I think you can tell, because it is a very well-realised setting, and then tell the story afterwards. So I think he sort of plotted out the world first, because I think his story comes from the state of the planet you know, that, mm. that informs the entire story. Um, he said, I don't think anything on this scale of emotional impact have been tried on Doctor Who before. And I think he's probably right. Maybe not on big finish-ups at this point. Gary Russell 
didn't really like the Dr. Man Allen character and he preferred the System and Constant character. See? And he said that was one of the best characters he'd read in the Doctor Who script. See? He's on my side. <laughs> but um, the Dr. Man Allen part was, I think, written up when Sally Nevette got involved. Mm-hmm. Well, because she's a... In terms of, like, science fiction, she is a big star there. A big um, star? In terms of science fiction. <laughs> Jenna from Blake Seven. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she don't hear this. Um... Uh, Gary Russell actually went on to say, I thought this was a work of art. There's nothing wrong with spare parts. So I think he thinks it's one no, of the best. It is, it is good. It is very, very good. The dad was written for Paul Copley, but offered to Roger Lloyd Pack, who is, oh. bo- uh, not Boise, what's his name, from Only Fools and Horses, mm. um, and Vicar Dibley. Uh, so, you know, and he ended up in Rise of Sidemen, didn't he? As the How villain. Funny. I hope you wouldn't mind me crashing the party. (laughs) And Stone says he tried to make his music edgy and offbeat, but he thought a lot of his music got lost in the sound design. And I don't entirely disagree with that. I feel like there's more sound design than music. Yeah, there is. But I feel like the sound design is excellent. But the sound design works really, really well for... Focus on the sound design rather than the music. Mm. I mean... I'm, I'm not sure we can have too many objections to this. No, no, it no. It rattles along, and it is dramatic. And I'll tell you what, a lot of the lines were great as well. Really, really well written. Would you, if someone was coming new to Big Finish, would you say, try spare parts yes. first? Um, yeah, I would, because it's the genesis of the Cybermen. That's a, it's a huge idea, and it's a monster that a lot of people know about. So I think this, unfortunately, is a good starting off point for Big Finish. <laughs> Okay. Is it better than Genesis of the Daleks? No. No. No, no, no. Well, Genesis of the Daleks is a TV story with visuals, you know, performances you can see. Is it better than Daleks Genesis into Terror, the Lost I Stories? We should talk about that one, <laughs> should we? Are you suggesting that spare parts could potentially be worse than Nick Briggs narrating five episodes of Doctor Who? <laughs> Not at all. And the cover is really good as well. The cover for three of the four of these releases. I think the cover for all of these, but this one is classic. And actually, the cover they did for the vinyl is really nice as well. I can't remember that one. You have to show me. It's really nice because it's got like the cyber horses. Oh yeah! See, that's a great image as well. Mm. No, come on. Let's let's be honest. Absolutely. With each other. Yeah. No. It this is, is incredibly good. It is. It's just not quite the all-conquering classic that so many people perceive it to be. Yeah, and we will find out what people think a bit later on because we did get some responses, didn't we? We have had that. Finish biggest chipping in. I think the response is very interesting. Mm. Well, should we go on to our next one then? Ish was released in August 2002 with Colin Baker as the Doctor and Nicola Bryant as Perry. (laughs) This also features Moray Treadwell. Who the hell is that? As Book. Oh, that's a great performance. Uh, Marie Collet, Oliver Hume, and Chris Ely. This is all names I don't recognise. Yeah, no, I don't know. So I'm assuming because they're not usual staples of Big Finish, they are names to conjure. Uh, written by Phil Pascoe, <laughs> mm. with music by Neil Clapperson. This is a lot of names. New we... names. Yeah, new names. And do you know what? Oh, so I say it was directed by Nicholas Briggs? Oh, that's not a new name. <laughs> but the direction is great. New names, and I'll tell you what, it just goes to show. Now, take note, current creators of Big Finish. You bring in fresh blood, and you get something original and amazing. And can I just start with the cover on this? Absolute classic cover. 
really brilliant, Colin I Baker think. Baker and Nicola Bryan made out of words. Yeah, I, I love just the more simple imagery of the covers at this time. Yeah. And I know when the sidebar came in, it got a bit more... Well, you know why you know why you love the simple imagery of the covers back then. Why? Well, because they haven't got to put in fifteen extraneous characters in there. A plus B plus C plus D plus E yeah. plus F. I, do, I just like how they nowadays. they're really simple, sort of one image things. Later on, it gets a bit Avengers Assemble every time. Yeah, and it's a bit too much, but it's just brilliant. I just love looking at these new covers from this time. Anyway, how good is this? Here we are, Sixth Doctor and Perry. Only the second Sixth Doctor and Perry story. Completely Last time we saw him was Whispers, from, of, from Terror. Whispers of Terror. Isn't well, it? a, it's. I feel like this is Whispers of Terror elevated because that relied on sound and words uh, in, and used the audio medium, and now yeah. this is using language. and And what a perfect way to put the Sixth Doctor <laughs> and language <laughs> ah, together because no. he loves some language, doesn't he? So it's so obvious to do a story. I'm I'm surprised that hasn't there wasn't a story sooner that involved all of this. I've written there. Colin gets to enthuse over language. A perfect script for him. Verbose, intelligent. He gets to be. Um, he gets to be the investigator. He gets to be the moral force. He gets to be funny. I mean, he's just brilliant. He's front and center in this. And Jesus Christ, the long words they give him to say. The the complicated sentences he has to get out. Do you think Pip and Jane Baker had a helping hand in any of this? <laughs> Hang on. Imagine who, if it was, who was the by... script editor of this. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Jip and Payne Baker. <laughs> Jip and Payne. <laughs> <laughs> the married couple of Doctor Who writers. <laughs> but you know, like I've said, Colin's amazing. Perry is great. This she's is she's so smart. Really she's good. so curious in this. It's really, really well done for Perry. She's not sidelined at all. She goes off. She has her own story because yeah. she meets what's his name, Warren. In this, it's a funny name for a villain, but yeah, and it's it's sort of like. <laughs> Well, not like an attraction or anything, but they, they get together, don't they? They do flirt a bit. And it's really nice. Finally, Perry doesn't have a monster or a villain being like, show us your tits, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's actually, yeah. they meet, and when they have that, that language exchange... Can I say something to you? Because Phil Pascoe, yeah. in my trivia, says, literally in that book... All you ever had with Perry on the TV was show us your tits. Oh my god! Well, we have a the and same kind of mind. On audio, the pursuit of paltritude is practically pointless. Perry's breasts don't talk, so we have to make do with using the character's voice. Yeah. Just oh my god! Just, oh, just what I said. Are you Phil Pascoe? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I like how they have that exchange, and then they go off, and then you find out he's a bit more of a shady character, but. She's separated from the Doctor for a lot of yeah, this story, but it's so episodes. strong for her. She was sidelined quite a bit in Whispers of Terror. She spends the whole of episode two with Book, and yeah. she's the one asking all the smart questions mm. and trying to figure out the plot. Yeah. He's doing the murder investigation for Osifer. We're doing that old cliche again of a character that the sixth Doctor knew in the past that he's coming to visit. Oh, my God. How many has he met now? Dastari, Asmail. Someone in the Lost Stengos. Stories. Who's the one in... Mission to Magnus and Paradise Five and that. There's yeah, a load of them. Yeah, yeah. Every time, every time. Look, he's rambunctious. He's got a lot of mates, <laughs> all right? When I got this at the time, I wasn't impressed as much. I think I found it a little boring. Because it's it is very... very I can understand if anyone... Very wordy. Not as much action. This time when I was listening to it, to get when you think about all the ideas and the explanations and where this ish concept has come from... 
It's a brilliant, brilliant story. Well, you talk about the ideas. So can I just throw a few of the ideas at you and see what sticks? So you've got Book, who is sort of like the computer system of the lexicon, isn't he? And he's this sort of creepy, omnipresent voice that I think we suspect is actually the monster of the piece, but he isn't because he gets that brilliant cliffhanger where he gets to say, what makes you think you're going to get out of here alive? Doesn't it? The lexicon, which is described as a straitjacket on language. So I love that idea of taking a dictionary and saying they're forcing words into a dictionary so it's like a padded cell. The ish creature is described as lexical transcendentalism, a surviving fragment of the omniverbum or a metaphor. So essentially it's an affix, which is what ish, ish is, you know, a word between two words, to the longest word in the universe. And that's why when it goes inside people's brains, it drives them mad because they just cannot comprehend them. It reduces them to absolute zombies going, ish, ish, ish. I mean, this stuff is really clever. It, 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 in the way that it explores language and grammar, this is one of the smartest Doctor Who stories ever written. And it's about language and grammar, but even the the script, the way that the characters talk to each other, the exchanges between the Sixth yeah. Doctor and Perry oh are so cleverly God. done. Because just, just to say, highlight. Do you remember the bit where he goes, ah, Perry, she sells seashells on the seashore. And she goes, sure, she sells sells, but seashells, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only they were written like this on TV, I would have oh, loved to have God. seen that. And he, when they're all talking about the word so... Mm. And uh, she goes, say it ain't so. And he goes, Perry, don't be such a so-and-so. <laughs> hey, this isn't bad. Do we take a wrong turn and end up somewhere interesting? Interesting? A convocation of linguists, lexicologists and logomaniacs? Everybody from the Abecedarians, the xenophilologists, from all dog-eared corners of the articulate cosmos? Perry, this is interesting. <gasps> oh, I'm... Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm really sorry. <sighs> that young man ought to watch where he's going. As I was saying, this, this is kind is... of an intergalactic spelling bee. Bee? <sighs> spelling bee? Okay, probably not. Perry, the only bee you're likely to find here is at the head of an exhaustive list of definitions. Yeah, it's they're really witty. It's and the really sound witty. design as well with this, when Excellent. they're all saying ish. And what that cliffhanger where they're all like it, it takes over everyone. It's properly scaled back, isn't mm. it? The yeah. music is ambient. It's not uh, the whole time we should get nowadays. Oh, we gotta stop talking about nowadays. But I'm no, just no, gonna no. say it one but more time. But nowadays they're but trying you... to, like you say, they're trying to mimic the TV series. So everything's orchestral the whole way Whereas through. Whereas this has some this, weird sort of electronic sound. music but that's the, kind of creepy. But when you're listening to, especially in this, when you're listening to the language and all or the words, you don't you don't need any of that music or anything. Um, I did like I did like the fact that it starts off as a murder mystery. So the doctor's friend Osifa, who's completing the lexicon, is dead, and I think it turns out that book, she book can be a book coming through. Excuse me. <laughs> um, I think she killed herself, didn't she? Yes, because of, of the ish. But then it almost becomes like a zombie tale because all everyone's taken over, aren't they? They're sort of wandering around going, ish, ish, ish. Then it becomes this weird sort of offbeat sideways adventure where we head inside the Doctor's mind. The whole of the climax takes place inside the Doctor's mind. Where My mind! He does have a cliffhanger like that as well. <laughs> where he's trying to reason with this sentient grammar 
Mm. I mean, it's just the it's ideas brilliant. are amazing. But didn't you say I, you were gossiping earlier to me? Oh, go on. You said Colin Baker wasn't sure of the script. No, apparently he phoned up Nicholas Briggs the night before and said he just was not confident about this script at all. And you know what? On the page, it is very dry. It's very, very wordy. I don't know, because I thought <clears> this <throat> would... One, I thought this would be right down Colin Baker's street. <laughs> it's, he loves that kind of stuff. Pray, hurry along to the hydroponic centre, Petty. And two, he left it till the night before to phone Nick Briggs about it. Well, <laughs> That's a bit late. <laughs> well, because these, these take place over two days. Apparently, when he started it, Briggs is quoted as saying he absolutely fell in love with it. And you can hear, you can, you can, when Colin Baker loves us, I mean, I don't think you can tell when he doesn't, but when he really mm. loves us, this, the pirate, relishes in Davros. It. Oh, yes. You know, you can hear the enthusiasm. Colin Baker voice. loves getting his tongue round. Big words. <laughs> he does. He loves it. And as somebody who's been kissed by Colin Baker, I tell you, <laughs> his tongue can do amazing things. Even though he was wearing Crocs at the time. Oh. Um, would you like some more trivia? Oh, please. So the 23rd of April, 2000. The door is now closed. Slam door noise on submissions for Big Finish. They now have enough scripts to take them all the way to the end of the licence. Oh, so everyone who's thinking at this point, you know, know, throw a few names out of the hat. People we know on Twitter. Uh, Simon Hart, Fraser Gregory. No, there's no hope. They've got all the scripts. Phil Pascoe, however, was one of the lucky ones to have made it from the slush pile. So he originally wrote this script in 1989 and sent it to the BBC. So when it was still on TV and got a letter back to saying the show had been axed. And he's quoted as saying, I thought it was my fault. One look at the script and they said, we're done here. So that potentially could have been a Seventh Doctor and Ace story. Yeah, it would work, would it? Sylvester McCoy cannot get his tongue round a lot of words. No, can you imagine him? God, a mastery of English! (laughs) I can see Ace and Warren working well, though, together. Yeah, but I can see that. botanical terms is what makes Perry so perfect for this story. She's so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he said he met Nicola Bryan at, uh, at Whovention and she impressed him so much he just really wanted to write her up. He wanted to give her a good, strong role. Oh and then God. there's the quote about her tits. He didn't, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't just want her to be a pair of tits. He wanted her to be a smart woman. And from Maybe. now on, from this point on, I think Perry is written as a very mm. smart woman. Maybe him and her meeting at that convention is like Warren and Perry meeting. Maybe they exchange <laughs> words. I'm a scriptwriter. Well, that's so Perry precocious of you. <laughs> Perry precocious? Do you know what words. that means? No. Oh, what does it mean? Nothing at all. Oh. You put two words together. <laughs> I think she was snogging their fountain by this point. You don't know what a perineum is, do you, <laughs> Perry? <laughs> um, he says that language is the prism through which the Doctor and Perry's personality differences become evident. And in the climax of this story, he brilliantly uses the fact that the Doctor uses English and Perry uses Americanisms, or should, if she'd have been allowed to on TV. So they confuse the ish creature by saying, what is it, uh, you know, sidewalk and roadway cop and mm. policeman it's so clever i just i i'm somebody i talk a lot i love language i do and so something like this 
that takes the concept of language and explores it in such a creative way. I I can understand why people might find this a bit literate. Mm. And I just want to say a bit smart, because I want to say people are stupid. But it is it is complicated. But for me, this is exactly what Big Finish should be doing. Taking big ideas and taking language and exploring both of them. You you have the you have the time to do that on audio. So yeah, this is probably a ten out of ten for me. Wow, think, it's definitely gone up in my estimations listening to it now. No part of you and me listening to this this week was I bored. No, no. In fact, I was hungry for the next one. <laughs> also, I've got a little bit of trivia because when I got this, they printed the wrong number on the spine. Oh my god! I bet the fans were up in arms, and they sent out and. I don't think anybody asked for it. I think I, I was sorry in Doctor Who magazine. If you've bought the CD and you want a new spine number, send a stamp to draft envelope and we'll post it out to you. And I got I got the new well, one. So. They're still doing it now, aren't they? Didn't they release that first once in future? Yeah, but this was before anybody could complain online and stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You just had poor old Paul Str- Sprague getting all the emails coming <laughs> yeah. in, didn't you? Hey? Honestly, leave him alone. He's such a nice man. Um... Nicholas Briggs chimes in with some criticisms. There we go. How Nicholas Briggs can possibly criticise a script this intelligent, given the dreck he's released in the last 20 years? Well, anyway, horses for courses. Um, He says, it's a fascinating idea, but the problem with the script is it doesn't dramatise it particularly well. Well, I could say that about all of his productions well no i think the thing the trouble with his productions is it's all drama traditional action adventure isn't it and no brains yeah and this is all brains and if you're smart enough to see it the drama is there smart witty dialogue yeah yeah so i'm sorry nicholas briggs i do think you're wrong there i'm afraid and even phil pasco this this is great because obviously he's written this script says i don't know if i understand ish entirely but i'm so proud of what it is and I rather like that. No, 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 no. Because it means he's just thrown in a ton of clever stuff. I thought this was really well structured. I thought it had a distinct beginning, middle and end. It had moments of drama. It had moments of comedy. And it had great character beats as well. Um, so I think he's written a, a well, a brilliant script. Am I, I don't recognise the name coming back, though. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. This is his only yeah. story. That's a shame. I know. Given this was the result, I know. Well, next up, we have a story that divides opinion across... Behold oh, God. the rapture! <laughs> I can't oh, stop God. dancing! <laughs> oh, no. Right. So the rapture was released in September 2002 with Sylvester McCoy as the Doctor and Sophie Eldred as Ace. Please let McShane down! With uh, Tony Blackburn as himself. Baffling. Matthew Brenner. Oh, the Ice Lord. Yes, also featuring uh, David John and Bird Daniel Wilson. Written by Joseph Lister. Directed by Jason Haig Ellery. With music by Jim Mortimer and Jane Elphinstone. Jane Elphinstone. Now, I would like to start by saying something positive about this. Because I'm not going to say many positive things. Okay. But I want to say something massively positive to start off with. So this is a story that juggles drugs, religion, sex, depression. It has an angry rant about humanity and its need to fight something to make it all mean something. It's very brave, this. 
is something that wouldn't even be considered nowadays. You couldn't have somebody taking drugs and having scenes where they're tripping. You couldn't have characters almost saying fuck and cunt, which is what happens in this. (laughs) Bitch, I think, at one point. You couldn't have characters getting drunk in IB for clubs. You know, you probably would have the emotional drama side of it, but that's the very worst of this story. But I think this is such a bold script. It is. And I remember at the time it was so different. Um, And I didn't not like it. Well, at the time or now? Well, both, actually. No, do you know why? Honestly, the soundtrack is amazing. It's really good soundtrack. Mark and I were grooving around the house. Obviously, you've got like the IP themed theme tune. Oh. Which is brilliant, which really sets it up for you. Can you just once cut that in? Absolutely incredible. Uh, so we're in Ibiza 1997. <laughs> that's where the Doctor and Ace come in. I've, and I've okay, that's a natural place for a Doctor Who story uh, well, to take place. <laughs> and we're following on from Coldest because mm. this is where the sort of Ace art comes mm-hmm. in and Ace insists on being called McShane from now on. Grief, yeah. <clears throat> which didn't really ever stick. And it's a bit, looking back now, it's a bit pointless. Yeah, this is absolutely a, a dead end for the oh character. Oh my God, it really they, is. They, they double back on all of this. When all, the harvest, yeah. Is the harvest next? Yeah, I think so. I think that it kickstarts a new ace. Yeah. Because what happens in this story is they give her a brother, right? Who's, who's never mentioned ever again in any form or at before. all. And he's here, David John from Survival, had one line in that. And apparently Sophie Aldridge suggested this. Why don't you... Have you ever thought about working with David John? Because people are always thinking that we're brother and sister. Well, I'm sorry, but it didn't come across in the script at all. I think the problem I have is it's not so much the script, it's more just all the acting. Yeah, well, I the was going to The performances are quite awful. Well, no, actually, no, that's a bit harsh, I suppose. Well, Sophie Eldred isn't great in this. Oh, my God. Don't you start on me going know, Sophie I know. Eldred all the time. And uh, the oh, who plays uh, Katrina? Katrina Anna Burr is terrible. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Boy. That moment, it's oh, it's really tough because oh, she's trying to create this in a club, sort of in '97, and they're all out clubbing. But the moment she raises her glass and goes fan dabby dozy or whatever, you're like, oh <laughs> well, my god! It's, so cr- it's just really cringe dialogue. The music started, and it was the Doctor Who Tony Blackburn <laughs> talks. Then it was the Doctor Who club theme. So Mark's sort of dancing around, going, oh, this is good. And then she goes, fan dabby dozy, and he was like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that was it. You were almost out at that but point. Actually, I can't. In my mind, I can't really work out. Is it the performances or is it the dialogue that they give? I think it's a little of both. Because is it the actors really struggling with this cringy dialogue? No, no, that's not a good well, performance. We're all good at like how, but then like I don't think anybody that's trying to be like acting, hey, we're gonna have a great night out, is ever gonna do very well. I don't think anyone can ever pull that off. Your truly, enjoyment of the rapture is probably entirely dependent on the two emotional stories that are taking place. It's Katrina's struggle with her depression and Ace's struggle with the death of Kurtz. I'm not sure why that's a thing, because she's seen a lot worse before. But anyway, and her journey of wanting to have a normal day. 
The trouble is, is you've got the two worst performances in the story there, and Bert, Anna Bird, and Bird, and Sophie Aldred, who kill the dialogue constantly. I and I think if you had likable, more brought down to earth performances, because they're both screaming hysterically yeah. throughout this story. I was given a fucking headache with Sophie Aldred screaming throughout this entire story. If they were more likeable, I think then this would be a story you could buy into more. Because I'll tell you what, this didn't land well at the time because Doctor Who wasn't used to being this emotionally led. But actually now, in Mm. the wake of the new series, this isn't our place at all. I mean, you wouldn't be doing the sex, drugs, rock and roll thing, but the emotional arcs of these characters you would do now. But I just think because the acting is so... So it poor. is. It really is. That's it's a, what it's it is. And, and you start off with that cringe and you just can't get rid of it. And which in the is same the problem. Breath, Sylvester McCoy, this is his worst performance as well because he has a couple of scenes with Gustavo where he's sort of behind the bar and he's being cute and brooding and sort of wistful about you know, the universe. And it's a bit remembrance of the Daleks in the coffee it's shop very moments, nice. isn't it? Yeah, and then that's highlighted with him going, Dorothy McShane! You know, get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there you are, at last. I found you. Now, listen to me. Dorothy, um, can you hear me? Let us go. <laughs> you know all of this stuff that he did on TV, and it was. And you think someone should have looked at the telly and said, "Let's not give Sylvester McCoy a load of shouting no, to do no. because he can't do it." And then add in sort of all these other characters and the, those bit parts, which is Jeremy James turning up doing all different voices oh and things. Oh my god! Do you know what Jeremy James says at one point? The rapture. He goes, um, "What is it? I believe it is what they call." Having it large. Yeah, and if like, you, oh. Then you add in all of that as well. There's so many cringy lines in it. Can I give you a few? Oh, God. I don't think I want to hear them again. Tony Blackburn says, let's play those kicking tunes. Oh, God. And I'm not sure about Tony Blackburn turning up. I know, like... He has done some work in Ibiza. I was going to say, you said he's been yeah. in Ibiza. I was like, yeah, but was it the 70s? I don't... I actually think it I was don't the think, 70s, you know. Yeah, I don't think he fits Ibiza 97. No, but they Prove wanted a big wrong. name. They wanted a big I name. I think he had just won the first series of I'm a Celebrity no. around then. So this had is he? trivia. He was just about to go in. Oh. So when this released, he just won it. Oh. So while they're recording, he goes, oh, I'm off to do something in the jungle, this new reality show they're doing. It was right. the third series, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so when this came out, he was in the zeitgeist. So I wonder if he got a few more sales for The Rapture. I just think it's a really odd <coughs> thing. It's directed by Jason Haig Ellery. Yes. I quite like, and you, I don't think you do, the way that it mixes up a lot of the... The sort of cuts between scenes. I don't know if that's in the in the script. The way that it sort of merges conversations a well, lot, no, and it well, helps that sort of distortion when the end, you know, word of one scene. Is yeah, the it goes into the next one. Another. Yeah, so yeah. Every single scene. Yeah. Starts and ends with the But then even words. with what's you know the, the trouble name? with that is, that just screams a new writer because it's so yeah. tricksy. Well, it is a new writer. I know, but that's the point. It just shows someone who's trying to sort of show off a bit. But then in the direction I don't think as Joe well, would do that now. I quite like how when um, 
she takes the drugs and goes on that sort of weird trip. Then she overhears that conversation with Ace and the brother. And then you've got Sylvester McCoy coming in and then Tony Blackburn coming in. And it all sort of gets merged. And I like the way they're sort of creating that trip and that, that disorientation. That, yeah, that was brilliant. The whole, the I whole think that's really clever how that's done. At the end done. of episode two, yeah. where she's tripping. Yeah. excellent. But then I was like, then they were like, um, you're going to drop a house on Ace or something. Oh, and then yeah. at the end, I was like, so did... Did the house actually fall on her? Is that in the thing? Oh, no. She's just tripping. No! <laughs> I mean, you've got... You ready? I've got some more lines here for you. So you've got oh, Ace's brother coming out with lines like this from EastEnders. Your whole life's been a lie! <laughs> um, then you've got Ace realising that he's got a photograph first. She goes, Get away from me! You've got a picture of me! I mean, it, and I'm not exaggerating these line readings. This is how it's pitched. But when the doctor realises that Gustavo is uh, the one that's helping um, Gabriel and Jude, he goes, Gustavo, why? <laughs> oh, man, it is just terrible. I think it's either, I think it's episode three that seemed literally just all explanation. The and, whole thing. And screaming is all just explaining about Ace and the brother and how they've come together. And it, then it goes to the, the sort of the angel's backstory and where they come from. It was all explanation. Yeah. It wasn't um, what it was, that's why. I feel like there's not enough plot to stretch for episodes. I mean, I like the setting. I like the setting. I like and the I characters. I like the idea of, of setting clubs. I just feel Gabriel and Jude actually. I enough, quite like that. Joe Lister was a young man when he wrote this. Yeah. What it feels like is Andrew Cartmel's written. It's this. somebody that doesn't a know. A four-year-old man writing yeah. for teenagers. It just doesn't feel like it's somebody that knows that world. But I do like the <coughs> Jude and Gabriel and a Matthew Brenner. We've heard before is the Ice Lord. I said yeah. Gabriel and Jude, good. very well played, yeah. and I did like. The idea that oh, this was brave again, that the villain thinks he's doing God's work. Mm. That's that's quite a creepy idea. Mm. And doing it in a club scene in RB. And I like how it's written in because Ace's brother is Christian-y as well. So his faith and everything. No, he goes, I bet that's not what you wanted for a brother. A Christian sci-fi muppet. But I like how that's all it's tied in. It's, I feel like it's all been thought about how these... I also liked the, the fact that they discussed the power of music mm. and the energy of it and yeah. the unity of the crowd and they make the comparison to an army because that's what their plan is mm. to turn all the clubbers into army to send off to this mm. war on another planet. So I think it does make Do sense. I would really, <clears throat> I think, just tone down or sort out some of the performances and some of the cringe dialogue and it would be good. I and I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's the worst. It's really terrible. And it's got this huge reputation. No, it's not the worst. At all. As te- but it's not. Really, it's not I'll terrible. I'll tell you, the trouble, the trouble We've with heard it, worse already, I think. The, I mean... The trouble with it is it is deeply embarrassing in parts. That's the problem. Like, like you, you, you I was watching you during certain lines and certain bits, and you were just sitting there, and you physically cringe. You don't I just know. cringe, you literally <laughs> wince. I know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, if he winces anymore, he's going to fall off the bed. Oh, God. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say, and that was there's a lot of discussion of mental health. Which obviously you never would have had in the classic series. But you do get, to some extent, with Vincent the Doctor and Can You Hear Me in the new series. And I do appreciate that. But I do feel the psychology felt a bit dated. So I just don't understand why Kurtz's death in the TARDIS 
is the thing that tips Ace but over But wasn't the there something where Gary Russell wanted to push the character of Ace on? Is this why it's happening? But it feels, and they're like, we've just got to find some an excuse for her and that's what it to feels get fed like. up. It and, feels like an excuse. Because then it is all forgotten about and it's not... Well, no, she talks about dust breeding and what's her name getting killed and everything as well. Like, the last few stories have supposedly been so traumatic for her. But I, I do appreciate the idea of giving her an extended Yeah, arc no, it's great to stories. do. But you know who they do this better with? Evelyn's Five. They, yes. they do the, you know, she loses Cassie, she loses Jem, the cabin boy, and then she decides to go in a regiment for war, she falls oh in love. God, that and scene that, of her crying, oh my God. It's just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> Leave me alone. You can't solve everything with a piece of chocolate cake. <laughs> I love that scene. That's like your nan crying. But I would rather have that than this whole this, angsty yeah. ace. Like, oh, I'm gonna go out. Yeah, let's have a break. The absolute the nadir of hysterical melodrama was the bit where Liam thought that Katrina had been killed, and he literally goes. <laughs> She shot herself because of you. I'll kill you. <laughs> I was like, fuck me. Jason Hager Ellery, could you not have just said it? Bring it down a little bit. Like, this is, you know, you're destroying the microphones here. I would have so much went, screaming. I, I thought she had died, and I was like, good, she's out of the story now. <laughs> yeah. Like, and well, you know, I don't want to sit here and, and criticize the attempt to have a manic depressive in Doctor no. Who. That's a really interesting mm. avenue to go down I'm not sure they get the psychology right and I'm not sure they get that she certainly doesn't all of these things right. in the mix yeah. it just doesn't this yeah. I think for there me, is something there but it just hasn't been yeah for me the freshness enough. of the location mm. the brilliant music and it genuinely mm. sounds like club music I don't really know much no. about club music but no, I, it, I sounds it sounds really good like yeah because I've listened to the soundtrack more than I've listened to the story yeah um, well, it's just like um, Menely C. I turn to you, Hex Hex, the radio mix. What's that? <laughs> a, a big song in Ibiza at the time. <laughs> just like the Rapture. Actually, this only would work with the Seven Tops for an Ace, I think. This setting. Oh, this well. late I, I... 80s, 90s. Doctor Companion. I do have a piece of trivia for you here. I oh, don't say it was going to be for like... The original treatment no. for this was a sixth Doctor and Perry story no. called The Priory Experience. And it was set... You know Pyramids of Mars is set in the old Priory? Yeah. It's supposed to be that, but turned into a nightclub in England. Oh, God. Yeah. Gary Russell says... Oh, that's my favourite thing to say at the beginning of a sentence, that he misjudged the audience. He said, I don't think a, doctor, a lot of Doctor Who fans have experience of Ibiza and drugs and dealing with manic-depressive girlfriends, so it wasn't popular. But, and he says, I think it's a top script. Mm. I think I think I it is. I think it's, I think it's just the, I think it's a, I th- it's the execution more for me. I think there is a good script there. I think it's a brave yeah. script. I think it needs a revision. John Pertwee spent a lot of time <clears> in Ibiza. He had a house in Ibiza. He'd appreciate this. Joe Lidster says, it isn't me trying to be cool. I think Doctor Who is cool enough as it is. I'm glad this wasn't me trying to be cool, because it ain't cool. It's not cool, cool. no. No. But he does say a lot of the stuff around Katrina came from when he was going through a rough patch. He was depressed and drinking. He said um, at night, some nights he was a danger to himself and others. He was helpless and vulnerable. So he was trying to put all of that in the script. It is very brave Mm. to do that in a Doctor Who story. He was very keen not to make the rapture pro-drugs or anti-drugs. He wanted to show that you could have a good time, 
But ultimately, it can leave you very vulnerable. Hey Gallery says, I felt it was time to get my feet wet on Doctor Who, but he was very unsure about the sex and drugs aspect of the script. I, I do think there are moments of great direction here, but I do think there are some choppy moments. There's some scene mm. transitions that are a bit awkward. And finally, Gary Russell said that, uh, he told Joe Lynch that this is going to be a love it or hate it type yeah, of story. It is a Marmite. Because it, it is, is the Because it's so story. out there. Yeah. And it is, isn't mm. it? Because I think from our comments later on Twitter, you can see that some people really like this and we don't. It's a brilliant cover, though. Oh, I love how they made cover. it like... It's like a music CD cover, like the Ibiza compilation CDs. They've done it perfectly. Can I have the final word on the rapture? Oh, please. I, I want to say this, that even though we found this an absolute cringe fest and very embarrassing and extremely melodramatic and over the top, yeah, it is trying mm. and it is doing something different and it is original. And frankly, I would rather listen to The Rapture than any of the old bullshit they're bringing out these days. Oh my God, we can't keep going back no, to these days every time. I need to say it, because because we are doing both at the same time. Mm. And the, the contrast is dramatic. It's shocking. Mm. Because this is a not good early release. Mm. And I would rather listen to this than another, let's pull the names out of a hat and try and figure out a story around it. This has had some effort put into it. Behold the rapture, Doctor <laughs> Perry! <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have The Sandman with Colin Baker and Maggie Stables. You mean Collegian Baker, don't Co-legend you? Collegian Baker and Maggie Stalegend. <laughs> this story... Nice try. <laughs> ...guests Annika Wills. Oh, here she is. Ian Hogg. Oh, yeah, that's just Isaiah Smith. And Robin Bauman, brother of uh, Lisa. Robin, if you ever want to come for a fish supper with your sister Lisa to Eastbourne Beach, we can offer you a fish supper, but we won't baptise you on the beach, right? <laughs> Sorry, you have not achieved the status yet of, of baptism. Oh, okay. And Bring Forward, this was written by Simon A. Forward. Yeah. <laughs> Directed by Gary Russell with music by Russell Stone. Have you ever read any of Simon A. Ford's books? No, I'm Drift not. and Emotional Chemistry. Aware, no. They're both very strong, but very unique. So Drift is a Fourth Doctor and Leela story, and it is set out in the snow, and it's very conceptual and very weird but beautifully written and emotional chemistry. He tries to make, you know, like a four volume Russian novel saga into a 280 page Doctor Who book whilst trying to um, shove in all the arc elements that are needed for the Sabbath arc at the same time. And, but it is really well done as a Russian novel. The arc Mm. stuff's not so good. So he's a very sophisticated writer I wonder if the detail with which he wants to create his settings and characters is more, is better aimed at a novel audience than a audio audience. Because this and Dreamtime are both very interesting oh, in the idea very. stage, but they're a little dry. Well, I, out of these four, 
I knew this one would be the one that I struggled with the most because I never really liked this one. But is that much. because of the modulated voices or is that because of the story? And you said you really like this one and you always listen to episode one again and again and again. I do. No, no, I'm no. surprised. So, so I said that on behalf of the audience because I felt like this is a popular release. I really like the first two episodes of this. And then I always remember all the scenes in the first two episodes. So um, Evelyn first seeing the clutch, you know, freighters, mining ships, manufactories, refineries, whole vessels given over to living quarters. That's marvellous. Great setting. And I love the cliffhanger where he reveals that he is every bit the monster they perceive me to be. And then I really like the sequence in episode two where we get the flashback and he gets, you know, I am your nemesis, you know, and he gets to be the monster. And then I think the story sort of dries up a bit after that. So the second half of this is a bit of a struggle. I don't remember anything about it. We just listened to this and I'm not sure I remember anything about those last two episodes again. No. Well, we have here Big Finish bringing in a new alien race, the Galliari. Yeah. Which I used again. He uses again in Dreamtime and they appear in a Benice. And we haven't had Big Finish creating their own... Original monsters. Original monsters. This is the first. But the problem I have is just all of those... The modulated voices. Is it... When I first heard this, it was just... There's lots of them. They all sound very similar to me. Yeah. And it's... I mean, because we've had... Obviously, we've had a lot of modulated voices before, but usually it's just the one alien or... I don't know, it's an ice warrior or something like that that's a bit easier to understand. But here, where nearly everybody is the same voice and it's lots... And it's dialogue heavy, this whole story is very explaining. There's not as much action. That's where I I really struggled with it when it's just all this Galliari talk back and forth, I find it really difficult to concentrate on it. So they've never been very interesting to me. Can I just say... I um, love the concept of this, though. Gary Russell has something to say directly to you, then. Oh, please do. Because he says, a lot of people complain that they can't understand what the Galliari say, which I think is bizarre. People say they don't want to concentrate. Big deal. It's an audio play, so you have to concentrate. Well, I do. I just... It's just not audible interesting to me. Do you know how I sound right now with a sore throat? Mm. That's how the Galgari sound, isn't it? No, and I mean, you've got Annika Wills and Ian Hogg the, disguised yeah, yeah. behind the... Obscure, I mean, you can tell it's it? them just, but it could be anybody. Annika Wills is chewing the scenery and then some. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, why get these actors in if they're just going to be hidden behind all of this stuff anyway? But I do love the idea that the... And the central idea of this is that the Doctor is this... Sandman, this uh, great evil that is apparently killing the young of the Galliari. The and first has scene been terrorizing generations and generations of these creatures. I'm not sure this would be done nowadays. The first scene features a load of kids being murdered. Yeah, but I suppose they're aliens, so. All right, well, that don't make it right. <laughs> I know. Now, children, remember what happens to young ones who do not behave. The Sandman will come for you. He will tear off your hides and weave them into his coat. Settle down, little ones, and make no sound. There, now. Lay still in the dark and he will not find you. No! It cannot be! 
saying. Um, yeah, it's great. Well, and I remember when this first came out, there was a bit of controversy around this. Because I think what Big Finish are doing is they're addressing the fact that everyone's going that Colin Baker's doctor's gone soft. So they suddenly throw a very dark light mm. in his face. Mm. But he's and, obviously not this evil no. thing. You, there is a you know, plot behind it. But the great thing is you don't realise until episode three or it's four... It's much, it's quite late. ...why he is playing this mm. you know, evil, nasty villain. Um, and he, obviously it's Colin Baker. We've all seen him as Babe and the Butcher from Blake Seven. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's fabulous at playing villains. Or what's his name? Paul Merony, Or even Maxil from Ark of Infinity. Mm. And we've loved all of the Six Doctor and Evelyn stories so far. Yeah. We've loved absolutely they've been the weakest great. one so far then? It's weak in that Evelyn doesn't have as much to do. Yeah. It, it, and she, she, it could be anyone. The focus really. is all on the Doctor in this, isn't Evelyn it? She just does really a lot of does a little around. bit. And so that, so I don't always, when you say Sixth Doctor and Evelyn stories, this one never comes to mind. And actually, it could have been Perry. There's no difference. It might it, have been more interesting with Perry. It might have been interesting with because Perry. Because she saw him at his worst, didn't mm. she? But imagine if you swapped Ish and this around. What if Ish was Evelyn and Perry oh, was the Sandman? Evelyn could handle all those But then that w- it would fit too well with Evelyn Ish, I suppose. It wouldn't but then, surprise but here, much. But here, yeah, that's the thing. If, if this was Perry... It would be too obvious. It would think, be too... Because she's used to seeing him as a, as a It is a shock that Evelyn... Because Evelyn's yeah. never experienced him like this. And that's how she's used best here, is where she's just appalled. Yeah. She goes, well, she goes, I didn't know you that well. She goes, but if this is what... I don't like it one bit. Mm. Well, she, so she is willing to sort of stand up to him. But she's she is genuinely shocked by it. And... The fact that he plays along with the role for a good couple of episodes. Quite a as well. while, yeah. What I would have liked for her to do would be to turn around and say, Do you know what, Doctor? This is who you are. Enough. You can take me home at the end mm. of this. And that, that never happens. So I think she always thinks that this is a deception. Yes, I think, yeah, I think she knows him well enough by this point to know that he wouldn't, there's something else going on here. What I did like was just like the face of evil. This is dealing with the consequences of a previously unseen adventure. um, But it's much more explicit and deliberate. So this is a deliberate sequel to a story Mm. that we haven't seen before. And it ties in the coat as well, which is really clever, which is perfect for the sequel. Because they they think that his coat is the skins of the young that he's been, like, killing throughout all this time. They can't see bright colours, can they? So they can't look at him. I miss that. So whenever I listen to this... I thought, well, did he? If they're seeing him covered with the skins, did he actually kill them? I thought the no. doctor had. I got confused because they they're mistaking his coat for At it. At some point in part one, it stated missed, they can't yeah. see bright things on the spectrum. Mm. So when he walks in at the end of the episode one, and he goes oh, <laughs> right. because he can't look at the doctor, okay. and, and he goes. Oh, um, it's deaf to look at her. She goes, I know it's painful, but it's not that bad. I feel like this sums up the <clears> script <throat> a little bit, where if you miss like a tiny little minute, it's a tiny second, then it really confuses you for the rest of the story. You do really have to concentrate. And I don't I, know if you need to have to concentrate so much in an audio. Sorry, Gary Russell. <laughs> well, I think, and it's not like you can't handle a detailed script because Ish is incredibly mm. detailed and more detailed than this, mm. I'd say. But this is very... It's going down that very exotic alien route as well. Mm. Of like, well, how do I get a handle on this society? Because there is no analogy to anything that I understand. There are a race of lizards 
and they've got this weird egg called a shuscubra, mm. which is like the race memory of their people. Um, they're descended from birds, so they buy and sell, they trade in birds. And, and it's all like, I, I appreciate the effort to, to create such a, an exotic species, but I'm just like... I'm not I sure. Think... How do I feel emotionally about any of this? Very cold because mm. I'm just sort of going, "Oh, okay, that's a detailed alien species," rather than, "Oh, yeah, I'm really interested in, in this." I think you're right. This would have been better as a novel, I think. Yeah, very much so. Mm. Very much a big, and it's slow as well because episode one is just waiting for them, the Galliari, to catch up with the Doctor, so the Doctor can do his big piece about being the monster. Episode two is basically a long flashback. Episode three is just separating the Doctor and Evelyn. And then episode four is the Doctor confronting Ian Hogg's character and basically saying, you know, you're worthless, go away. And he gets Mm. killed. So there isn't a lot of plot, really. No, I don't think there's enough for the four episodes because then you've got this side plot of um, Mordekin and... uh, Nerosha? Nerosha or whoever. Nerosha! Nintaru? Oh, Nintaru, that's it. <laughs> Nerosha's Annika Wills. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the other trouble. They've all got these space names. I know. Played by Stephanie Colborn, who was Zog in The Ultimate Adventure, apparently. Oh, my God. Prestige there casting go. there. <laughs> big finish. No, it's not a successful one for me, I'm afraid. I, I'm not eager to go back to it. I think as a production, uh, you don't like the voices, I don't mind them. I love the music. And I just must say, Colin Baker is superb in this. Oh, he always is. And Maggie Staples. Yeah, there's no but prop fault with their performances. Colin the focus here. There's no fault in all the performances, really. You know, they're really trying beyond their ring modulators He's basically or got to convince us that he's a fucking arsehole. Yeah. Now, obviously, Colin Baker could do that. Perfectly, perfectly well. Perfectly well. <laughs> no, I mean, characterisation-wise, from the sixth Doctor from season 22, not our lucky, cuddly Colin in Crocs that we meet in the conventions. No. God, I'm starting to sound like Ish now. Mm. Cuddly Colin in a convention, in Crocs. <laughs> Cute. But he does have to convince that he's the bad guy, and he does. Yes. And then there's a wonderful moment where... Um, Evelyn goes that's disgusting because they say that the, the villain has been tearing the skins off of these Galliari that haven't even been hatched yet that haven't even been born and they're obviously blaming the doctor for that and the doctor goes oh my god like you know so he mm. realises he can't keep this up I think I think it is enjoyable for the first two parts and then a bit dull yeah. for the second two I just parts. need more Evelyn I think I think that would have helped for well, me. Well, may I tell you, young man, in the next... Yeah, you, well, you're younger than me. You've got some bloody zingers coming up. Jubilee. Oh, absolutely, Doctor yes. and the Pirates. Yeah. Project not Lazarus, Arrangements not... for War. No, it's not You will not, not be shortchanged on the no. evening front. They couldn't have had a full run of amazing stories. There's always going to be one. as well. Do the quote. <laughs> Julius. Caesar! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love Maggie Stone. We love her. Yeah, so it's great to hear her again in the so, main range. Can I just say then, does that, has this knocked her off her pedestal then? Is she suddenly in a dull story for you? Only slightly. Only slightly. Okay. That's all. Well, don't worry. She it just will, spoils a little run when you're doing your little marathon. Herself. Yeah, it does. It's a little blip in the run, that's all. Okay. Well, what well, should we do now? I think we should... Do Mark's chronology moment. So the last time we saw Fifth Doctor and Nissa was primeval. 
So I'm going to set this directly after. So we've got a nice little run. We've got Land of the Dead, Winter for the Adept, The Mutant Phase, Primeval, and Spare Parts. And that rounds off the Fifth Doctor and Nyssa Season 1. I was going to say, is that the finale? Yeah, that's I mean, lovely. That would be a great, that it's would a great be the finale. finale. Yeah. And that's a good series. You've got <clears> Daleks <throat> in there. You've got Traken, Cybermen, the... Um, Things from Winter of the Adept, which I can't remember what they're called. Andrew Cartmel. I mean, you've got it all. <laughs> yeah. That fella from Babylon 5. Yeah, a bit of Stephen Cole at the beginning. What the, more the could Charleston. you need? Yeah, you've know, got it all. On Primeval. So that's, that, that's that story. Then, what a season. What a year. And then Ish. So hang on. That season is what? Set between Time Flight and Arc of Infinity? Yes. Okay. And then Ish. Well, we only had the Whispers of Terror with the Sixth Doctor and Perry, mm. which was set after Revelation of the Daleks. So it can just go straight after, after there in that gap. Which I might put, some, I might swap them round a bit because I feel like they are of the same sort of genre in sort of audio language yeah. and everything. So you might not want them both together. You've got stuff later like the space on. race and things like that. Yeah, there's other things in. to like slit yeah. in and out. Breaking <laughs> bubbles and other stories. And yeah, things all like things that, like that. Know. We can sort of play around with Perry Man, there. I say, you know, I do. I'm perfectly convinced that Colin Baker and Nicola Bryan, oh, actually, maybe they might have been usurped by Colin Baker, Bonnie Langford and Ruth Madley, actually. But Colin Baker and Nicola Bryan, when they do do stories now, like mm. that Perry box set, they're, probably they're the, very good together. They're probably the best they've got. Well, they now. know each other so well. They just oh, know it all, fabulous. don't they? And next, the Rapture. Very important placement here because it references Colditz mm -hmm. and before that, Dust Breeding. So it's got to go in that in that order. So, so we've are got. We, are we to assume then that all of Ace's emotional issues have been sorted out by the end of the Rapture, so then she can go off into the hardest? Well, I think this will round off this season so we can have a little bit of a gap before we go into the so we've got the genocide machine we've had yeah. and then it was the fear monger the fear monger had to be there because there's a reference to it in dust breeding so then it has to go dust breeding then it has to go cold it's um and then the rapture so it's a bit of a mixed bunch of those stories in a row there yeah. i don't know if later on you've definitely got to have dust breeding cold it's and the rapture together you might need to. You could swap some things around before and after, but I'll say this: fans of but no, Sylvester but McCoy she's with Shane, isn't she? So you have to have anything Ace before Hex ha uh, has to be before the Rapture. She before Shane with Hex at the beginning, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, he does call him Shane, yeah, yeah doesn't he? Oh, what about Philip Olivia? When he has that picture in the shower. I know, right. We're not on to there yet. We've got a while yet. Not right now on Every that video. Every time Philip Olivia appears, you've got to put that picture of him in the <laughs> oh, shower God. with his bum out okay. and all the water running down his bum. Anyway. No, uh, <laughs> fans of Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred, who are appalled at the mistreatment that they've had from Finish Big, rejoice. <laughs> we are entering a bold new era of the Seventh Doctor and McShane now. As Philip Olivia joins the crew... Uh, it's a pretty solid run, you well, know. It hasn't happened yet. We're no, not no, talking no. about that I yet. I just want to say, though, because people are coming at me telling me oh, right. I, know. I was calling <laughs> Sophie Aldred hater today by Dylan <laughs> Reese. And I said, no, she does do some good work. But just but not yet. <laughs> I'll call her out when she doesn't. <laughs> I'm starting to get hysterical like that. Right, the okay, well, let's get it's on. It's catching. And then the Sandman. So, again, really mm. easy. The last time we had the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn was Project Twilight. So I did have the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn season one as the Marian Conspiracy, the Spectre of Lanyon Moor, the Apocalypse Element, Blood Tide and Project Twilight. 
but I'm going to add the Sandman to the end of that series. No, don't make the Sandman the end of the season. Yeah, but I want Jubilee to be the opener of the next series, you that see. That means we've got the first season of Evelyn Smythe ends with the same as the Battle of Ranskorav Kolos. <laughs> yeah, I know. A damp squib. Uh, well, I don't want it to be a season opener. What would you rather have? Oh, yes. Yeah, Can't we have it as a Christmas special? No. Between seasons. It's going at the end. It's going oh, at the end. Okay, it's so your chronology. Yeah. There we are. Okay. And that, that's all the stories. Well, what's next? Is it Daco Ho and Ho Ho Ho? Daco Ho is a total <laughs> ho. So, for spare parts, like I said, I was, I was impressed, but not too impressed. I get the impression she will go whatever way the wind is blowing, and Navette plays her callousness and ego beautifully that's dr man allen so i was quite impressed with sally nevette's performance he says it doesn't help that dodd and frank are utterly unsympathetic characters that i couldn't give a fig whether they lived or died oh no well you said you didn't like thomas dodd oh yeah i suppose and frank was annoying um oh and finally let's not beat around the bush this is the best story nissa story ever written Ooh, do you still think that? No, it's probably circular time. Yeah, yeah. But to that point, definitely. Okay, well, how about Ish? Doco Ho says, now this is why you made me laugh earlier, Can I can only imagine the horror had Sylvester McCoy been given this script to roll his tongue around. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> oh, crikey. Um, Nicola Bryant continues to impress in these audio ventures by providing a plucky and resourceful Perry. She was denied on telly. I still agree with that. Uh, you need a little patience with this one, as it's no average Doctor Who monster story, but a very thoughtful piece that uses words to capture a sense of wonder and power. Yeah, it wasn't all bullshit, was it, that Doc Oho? You, you did know what he was saying from, from time to time. Okay, let's, oh, good grief. let's see what he's got to say about the rapture. So, he's got some opinions on Sylvester McCoy. It's not that he's consistently awful, but he's not awfully consistent either. Oh, that's quite witty for me. That's very... Yeah, that sums it up particularly, yeah. I that's basically mm. what you need to say, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and it's a shame because he's playing the most interesting Doctor. Mm. Um, it's his 80th birthday tomorrow. Well, happy birthday, Sylvester McCoy. Ah, <laughs> here's the spoons. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> because it's too easy to... Um, uh, to pick apart how unsuccessful Ace is in the big finished Doctor Who stories at this point, it seems almost unfair to do so. But that won't stop me. I just did that quote. You can imagine what came after that. I'll leave that to your imagination. And then he says, The Rapture is a dreadful amalgam of tedious soap operatics, pop psychology, and crass religious metaphors. I think that's a bit harsh. I know. I'll tell you what, I gave Joe Hister a, a hug once in a convention and he was a good hugger. So I'll give him that. Oh, I think he's one of the best script writers from the new series. Fabulous Sarah Jane stories. He does go on to write some brilliant um, Doctor Who, doesn't he? Um, Terra Firma. Yes. That one? Yeah. The Longest Night from Unit. Yeah, and that one from Rani takes the oh, Bannerman Road. Amazing. And finally... <laughs> What? I said that wrong, it's right. Uh, takes the road. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie takes the Bannerman Road. Ronnie, on the road. Uh, Doco Ho says on Ish, soft to six, because you know I gave all the 
mm. characters a different title because obviously you use Doctor Who reviews as a reference library whilst you was growing up. You didn't realise one day you'd be with the writer, did you? <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> um, I said softer six, and I'll just put well hardly. Well, because he's the villain. Mm. He's not soft anymore. This is not one of Evelyn's stronger stories because she's entirely eclipsed by the Doctor's role in events. Yeah, that's a shame. And I put the end of episode one is like a slap in the face as the Doctor reveals he is the villain of repute. Very good. So not too much has changed, really. Not not too much. Well, we know what Doc Ho thought. That Ho. Um, Excuse me? (laughs) Now... Let's find out what everybody else thinks. You're all a bunch of hoes as well, I'm sure. Yeah, so Simon Arts there somewhere. He's the biggest go. hoe I know. Can I just say one thing, so though, before you yeah. go into the, the tweets? Mm-hmm. And that is, thank you very much to anyone who has taken the time to listen to our YouTube videos or our podcast. We've had a lot of comments on social media. We've had a lot of comments on the videos. We've had some really lovely reviews. So mm. clearly, like this is caught on a little bit we, we're people are enjoying what we're doing but we do appreciate anybody that takes the time to comment yes. because it makes our hearts sing yeah that's all, all right okay let's hear what everybody else thinks so our first hoe is luke malloy let's call them all hoes <laughs> <laughs> finish big hoes <laughs> And he says... Oh, did you say Luke Malloy? Yes. Oh, man. He's the biggest hoe going, I'm telling you. <laughs> he says, Ish has amazing ideas. I agree. The longest word, most specific word, could still be being spoken today. But it isn't particularly a thrilling listen, nor ties together that well. I think it ties together mm. well, but I can understand why I say it's not a thrilling listen. Yeah, I do. I Even though get I thought that. it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, spare parts, sad and phenomenal. Fair. Yeah. Uh, Sandman, who cares? Fair. Mm, yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. I, I do agree uh, with that. Thank you for taking time away from being a hoe to write yeah. that comment, Luke Malloy. Uh, next we have Ryan McGiven. Hello, McGiven. Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Uh, I always found the rapture to be underrated. Mm. Though on further listening, it does sound more like a soap opera with Ace's long-lost brother that never gets mentioned oh, again. Oh, doesn't it just... That being said, the sound design with the scene transition feels fresh to listen to. See, oh, I said okay. that. It's I like the transitions. Right. I'm allowed an opposing viewpoint. I know, I know. Um, Joe Short. Oh, lovely Joe. Go on. I came to spare parts late in the game and the body horror aspect is still chilling. I just love anything with Sixie and Evelyn, so full marks on that score. Haven't listened to the others. I mean, the fact that you love anything with Sixie and Evelyn in. She was saying that she likes the Sandman, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, she doesn't. Okay, I read it. Again, people are allowed to like it. Spare parts with Sixie and Evelyn. Oh, yeah, imagine him railing against her. I will not allow my temperate to be part of your (laughs) monstrous cybernetics. And Evelyn would get on with the family and everything. That would work really well, wouldn't it? Yeah, although Um, who could she accuse him of? Uh, not saving. Oh, well, no, it had to be after Jem the Cabin Boy died. <laughs> yeah. Pity you didn't think about that, Doctor, when it came to Jem the Cabin Boy. <laughs> Doesn't quite have the same effect, does it? Uh, Darren Lit Roundels. Ah, hello, Darren. I don't know why now, but I bought the Sandman. I hadn't taken to Evelyn in the noisy Dalek story. Mm. Must be Jubilee, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, a Poplitz element. Oh, very noisy, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she endears herself to me in this. I remember the vocals of the creatures was quite hard on the ears at times. Oh, Colin goes for it at the end. 
He's got uh, what those the, what those megaphone things. Yeah, he emoji. does really go for it in this one. It's but funny you know about weird? Evelyn because Evelyn's oh, yeah. I don't think Evelyn does enough in that. I think that's is is that Sophie Aldridge does spend a lot of the Rapture shouting her head off, and Colin Baker does spend a lot of the Soundman shouting his head off. But for some reason, Colin Baker gets a pass from me, and it's yeah, but because Colin Baker's not pretending to be clubbing in IB no, for ninety-seven. It's not just hysterical melodramatics, is it? He knows how to play it. He does and this to be thing. Sort of he sinister. actually can go for it, but he's not actually shouting. He's projecting his voice in a way where he's like, you, you know, you're destroying my mind. I'm not shouting that. I'm conveying that. Whereas Sophie Eldred, hey, let's live it up, large everybody. Yeah! That that shouting oh, and not projecting you right your voice. I think it's the yeah. acting technique. Yeah. There we go. There's my masterclass in acting there. That's, that's simply, I can explain to you why. It's because Colin Baker is an actor and Sophie Aldred isn't. Oh, my God. She's a children's no, TV she, presenter. Well, I, I think the presenter... Who somehow come, got a role on Doctor Who. Yeah, the presenter can come through sometimes. <laughs> That's all ah, I'm saying. Yeah, Bradley Walsh. <laughs> anyway, next up. Michael Storm. Ish was a worth... I think it means worthy here. I'm going to say worthy. Ish was a worthy experiment, even if it didn't exactly work for me. Okay. The Sandman is a very good piece of work with some excellent world building. Oh, I'm glad that someone's sticking yeah. up for the Sandman. Both in terms of the world and history of the Galliari and how the surrounding environment has responded to them. Yeah, I mean, it is a really good idea, this whole idea of this clutch. And how do you imagine the clutch? Well, they say it's like a shoal of fish. Yeah, but what do you... I imagine them sort of like spherical little sphere well, no, type things. You know when you get a shoal of tropical fish and they're all different mm. colours and sizes? I've just oh, seen it right. like that, you know? Oh. Well, that fleet they've got in Battlestar Galactica, maybe a bit like that. I do think, you know, that does have the potential to set like a series on there. If you had all these different spaceships with all these different creatures and things, mm. you could tell lots of stories, couldn't you? Yeah. Well, that's why we go back to it, I think. Uh, Dave Rennie. Oh, Dave from the kettle. The rapture isn't as bad as people think. Mm. Maybe it's because I finally went to Ibiza about five years in a row, but the music, the characters, I rather like it. Hang on, okay. is he trying to tell me he did what they got up to? In <laughs> Behold the rapture. He, was he taking space dust and <laughs> sleeping with all the girls? Oh, no, not girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sleeping with all the boys. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you're a hoe, all right? <laughs> Drop a tap of V and make it up against a stranger. Back up with one love and hope this fantasy will take you. What's that? It's a song. Who sings that? <laughs> the Easy Posse. <laughs> yeah, you're part of the Easy Posse, you are. <laughs> Very easy. Um, spare Parts is obviously a classic. Ish is a clever story. Right up C. Baker's street. <laughs> Dave Rennie, I do not no. want to think up. Right no. up Colin Baker's street. Uh, and Sandman. Oh, there's another tweet. Hold on, I've got to press the button. And the Sandman is not as good as previous six evening stories. Yeah, agreed. But the standard is so high. It's okay, but not one I usually go back to. Yeah. I think Dave Rennie, that had. tweet was every bit as detailed <laughs> as your fabulous podcast is. <laughs> Simon Hart. Oh, here he is. What? You know what I was talking about? Hose, remember? Mm. Uh, was this an early peak in cover design, he says? 
Yes. Yeah, the rapture. Oh, I've got a mouthful of jelly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the rapture. Oh, the spare parts as well is a really good image. Yeah, they all are. I think the rapture's the best of the four, though. That Sylvester McCoy silhouetted. Mm. And it's done like a album cover, isn't mm. it? With yeah. 20 blistering tracks. Yes. Um, can you both stop dancing? Uh, well, <laughs> I suggest you go back to the beginning of this video. Uh, spare parts is it the peak of BF who um, I don't think so but I can understand why you do mm. oh and Chris Hogburn has said their spare parts is great but it does not have Tony Blackburn I love the rapture oh Chris <laughs> do you know isn't it lovely to see people sticking up for the rapture and yes. sadness we've got Matt Michael oh Matt is the rapture the most underrated big finish Oh. Here's my thoughts when I re-listened. Are you going to read them all? I'm going to read out. He's written a whole bit here. Oh, okay. Jesus. So this is what he said. Okay. The Rapture. It starts with Tony Blackburn improbably talking about a club called The Rapture run by Gabriel and Jude and featuring trance music before dissolving into a dance mix of the Doctor Who theme. This is amazing. It's Alfred's performance in the post-credits that's a bit... Off. Alfred? Oh, I think it means Alfred. It says Alfred here. Oh, Matt Michael, you a journalist. Come on now. Sophie Alfred. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm going to call her Sophie there Alfred the Duck. Prote- protesting she should be called McShane from now on. Oh, and then the other youth clubbers sound authentic. If by authentic you mean how the BBC would have done in 1991 as gritty and a real as Silver Nemesis... And that is true. Oh my god, you true. are a fucking genius, Matt Michael. That is so true. It's exactly how it would have come across in 1989. And then he <laughs> continues. Park that though, and this feels like a direction a new producer might have pushed if the show continued in the 1990s. Mm. It's much closer to RTD than JNT, and even Cartmore and Arinovich wouldn't have done anything quite so grounded in life. The actual plotting isn't quite as strong as the characterization, but broadly. This is exactly the point of doing Doctor Who in the 21st century. Not endless roll-the-dice rematches, but something that has some relevance and soul. Yes! Wow. Yes. yes. I mean, it's still very cringy, because you're right. It's just like an old man writing for young people in, the, <laughs> in yeah. Ibiza. But, yeah, he's very right. Matt, honestly, this is an open invitation. You can come on, finish big whenever you want with profound thoughts on big finished stories like that. Yeah. And then uh, people keep replying to other people's things on here, so I'm mm. getting confused on Twitter. But then Rory D has put the irony... Rory D? Is that his Rory name? Rory D. Rory D. That sounds like a drug that you get in IB, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, sorry. Rory Day. It's come up. I didn't... Oh, wow. <laughs> Everyone... Stop smoking your Rory D's. We've got a comment from Rory Day. Drop a dab of D in <laughs> The irony is Blackburn was DJing there at the time. Yeah, I know, yeah. I think he was second choice, though. Mm. Uh, and the whole McShane stuff was of its time, yeah, uh, and has context around it. It's implied at that stage Ace and Hex will be a couple, but it changes once Briggs takes over. Yeah, I, there there was hints, but actually, the one thing we did I say about Hex basically being the brother thing done right? I don't think I did, did I? So I think the whole Liam thing is a precursor to Hex. So they're they're sort of trying out this idea of Ace having a brother, but it's so much more successful with Philip Olivier, fabulous bum, than it is with <laughs> what's his mm. name, David John. Yeah. Sorry, Sophie. I hate to disagree with you, but I feel as if you have much more natural chemistry with Olivier fabulous bum than you do with David John 
And then we have Johnny Morris. Oh, this is going to be contentious. Go on. Well, he says, do you think these stories would be permitted today? Spare parts and Rapture probably would need to be substantially reworked, in his yeah. opinion. You wouldn't and then, have the more adult sides of them, though. And then Gary Russell replied to that and said, spare parts would be fine. Moffat riffed on it quite happily and no one complained. True. The Rapture, however, would never get approved without getting the cleverness and all that heart taken out, meaning it would not be worthwhile ruining such a good story just to make it fit today's rules. There we go. Yeah, it would the be producer's really got down. the final word on The Rapture. It's a success. Uh, David GP, uh, some very experimental stories in that period and attempts to push the envelope. Yes, exactly what they're not doing today. I remember people slating The Rapture, and when I finally listened, I quite liked it. Less so with Ish. Oh, sorry, David. Spare, I love it. Spare Parts is awesome, of course. Mikey Smith. Oh, Mikey and Janie. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. I couldn't get into Spare Parts. Yeah, See, a couple of I said yeah, this. A couple I of think, people said this. Yeah. Um, it's all a matter of taste, you know. <laughs> um, Andrew Tovell. Oh, Andrew, I don't believe I've had a comment from you before. Hello. Uh, Sally Navette is great in Spare Parts. Yes. A good story for Minister 2, I seem to recall. Some imaginative world building as we get to see the Mondas we were denied in 10th Planet. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. All fabulous comments there, Andrew. Oh, my God. Thank imagine you. Spare Parts, but if it was the first Doctor, Ben and Polly. Oh, stop. No, <laughs> That's the first Cyberman story. All of them. Imagine. You know? Imagine the third Doctor and Joe. No, I will not be a monstrous parody on Simon X. <laughs> <laughs> um, ape with anxiety. I don't get the reverence. Ape for... with anxiety? That's what it says here. Is that his name? This is people's names. Oh, they? you know who he is, isn't he? He's yeah. that fabulous fellow who keeps posting pictures of himself semi-naked with his lovely muscly arms out. I don't know. Keep posting those pictures, ape with anxiety. They're much appreciated. Um, he says, I don't get the reverence for spare parts, but I think I'm missing something. Ish is a corker, though. There oh, you go. Ish over see. spare parts. Honestly. So not only does he post pictures up of his muscly arms, but he's also a man of profound wisdom. <laughs> uh, and then James H has replied to that. Uh, you're not alone. I really don't think much of spare parts. <gasps> Too contrived, awful double ending, and very oh. dubious internal logic. Oh, but I love Sandman. <gasps> Go on, Ish. I blow hot and cold on. <laughs> <laughs> and Rapture has far too many issues to fit into one tweet. Well, there was so much contentiousness in that tweet, James H, and I've come to expect it from you now, including comments on what you blow on. So, thank you very much, James Lark says, you obviously have strong contenders for the best ever and worst ever on this yes. list. You know, I was going to open this episode with just that comment. But the two Colin Bakers are real curiosities too, both concept heavy, but while Ish sounds interesting ideal for the audio medium, in execution, it is absolutely insufferably pretentious. <laughs> I could well, understand. a bit harsh. No, no, no. I mean, it is, it's flaunting. It's a bit like an Elizabeth Sandifer PhD review. You know, it's flaunting its smarts. But I quite like that. Well, I can understand why somebody would take objection to it. Well, he goes on to say, The Sandman is much better, and this is a perfect Doctor and companion for exploring the alien race sees Doctor as villain idea. 
But ultimately, I'm not sure if it ever fully manages to justify the Doctor's bastardly behaviour or why Evelyn lets him off the hook so easily. I agree yeah, with actually, that. Actually, Evelyn could have had that more of that stronger role in that. And I do wonder if there was an easier way. He could have solved yeah. the problem than, you know, becoming this big but monster. But it's too uh, delicious-y concept, oh, isn't it's it? it's delicious. Mm. Oh, just like you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and he continues to say, both extremely confident productions and, frankly, they can afford to be confident after something as flawless as spare parts. But is the confidence lapsing into complacency at no, times? not at this point. The confidence in which the rapture is branded as special certainly suggests so. It is special. It's special it is original. something different, though. So Look, they've yeah. lapsed into com- complacency in the last 10 years. That's when they've done it. Yeah. Uh, Longdon calling. Longdon calling. Ding, ding. I find spare parts very disturbing at times, in a good way. Oh. How effectively does Big Finish exploit audio to come up with things which might be too dark to be seen on telly? And what are some of the best examples? Oh, what a great Wow. Question. Who is that Longdon calling? Longdon calling, oh, yeah. Right. Open invitation for you but as well. Part... Uh, what's the best example of what of it being really dark? Well, we've, we've talked about Edith committing suicide in The Trials of Midnight already mm. um, coming up I think um, Master and Davros are both very dark, dark moments yeah um, I mm. think so some of the darker stuff Big Finish they don't do in the Doctor Who like like Graceless oh. for example and things like that they take it out and do it in a series that isn't Doctor Who I think they're more they're darker stuff and they're really fair, darker stuff for the most part it's probably more suited to those it's su- and it's suited to those things but like when you do get something range. like you remember Cassie being beaten up in Project Twilight oh God, yeah. it's really shocking shockingly yeah. brutal but I'm glad it's they haven't gone you know all, they could have gone all new adventures and had it every time and everything and then because Otherwise, when it, so when it does happen, it is shocking. You know, yeah. those moments are yeah, shocking. Yeah. The exception rather things, than the rule. Yeah, because otherwise, I think... I mean, I didn't read all the new adventures or anything, but I feel like that kind of thing happened every novel. It or, was you torture-heavy, yes. And then you just get a bit immune to it after a while. Love so, Colin, thank you for that question. That has stimulated a conversation. I don't know um, if there's any others, actually. No, oh, I say that's marvellous comments we've had there. And you know oh, what? Hang on, one more. Oh, Sorry. go on. And then we have Andy Parkinson. Oh, Andy. And he said, as someone who's barely dipped a toe into the Big Finish universe, is this a good starting point? Which one? What would be other good stories to start with? Storm Warning. The Marion Conspiracy. And... Not the sirens of time, because you may not ever listen no, to any no. again. Well, all of Time and Space podcasts said spare parts, Kingmaker, One Doctor, and Night Thoughts. Oh, interesting choices. Interesting choice. I think a lot of these are standalones mm. in the first hundred. And Gavin says Phantasmagoria, Marion Conspiracy, Jubilee, Storm Warning, and The Chimes of Midnight, which are all classics, really. Yeah, but I wouldn't well, say The Chimes of Midnight. That's arc heavy. I don't you know. You need the context of that. No, I think you could. Oh, I think you do. Anyway. Anyway, right. I think that is all. I'm sorry if I've missed anyone because I can't understand tweets within tweets within tweets. But thank you very much for all of your comments. Much appreciated. You may now all return to being hoes again. <laughs> Thanks, hoes. Thank you, our fin- finished big hoes. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, well, we now just have one more thing to sort out, and that is a bit of a quiz. Do you feel like some oral audacity? God, I always feel like oral. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so who's going first? Off you go. Well, I've done some rip-roaringly difficult questions for you this time. Spare parts. In what other story does Commander Zheng appear in? Oh! In uh, the main that's... range. Did you know this before? No, I didn't. I learned it when what? I did some digging. Other story do we have that Cyberman in? Commander Zheng! We will begin again. It doesn't sound like that in the other one, though. It's got a I'm... different cyber voice. I'm trying. Ah, oh, right, so it's not a Mondas mm. Cyberman. What other He's been upgraded. Been upgraded to another side. Wow. Is it one of these later Fifth Doctor Cyberman ones, like Warzone conversion box set you thing? I might have to say that was your answer, if that's what you're saying. I'm going to have to, because I don't know what else. It's Joe Lister's The Reaping. Oh! Apparently. Wow. <laughs> I can't remember that at all. I don't remember that. We'll have to keep an ear out for Sheng, that. Honestly. Mr. Sheng. Okay. Well, what do you got for me? Well... We all know that the wonderful Sally Navette is in spare parts. <laughs> She's from Blake 7. She's Excuse Jenna. Me. Don't you say wonderful when you slagged her off in the review? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, she's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, thinking about other Blake 7 cast members. Oh, God. What uh, other Blake 7 cast member appears in the Doctor Who main range? And in which story? Next. Next, yeah. So, so we have we have had Blake and Storm Garrett, Warner. Garrett, yeah, oh, not okay. looking forward. That's coming up next in our run. I don't think. Oh, Michael Keating is in the Twilight Kingdom. <sighs> okay, I wasn't thinking of that, but yes. Hey, what were you thinking of? Paul Darrow in the next life. Is he in the next life? Yeah. Oh, God. Is it Paul Darrow and Daphne Ashbrook? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be gold, that release. <laughs> Jim Berrybird. <laughs> um, okay, well, so I got that one wrong. Yeah, no, you got it right, because that is actually technically right. Do they ever have Jan Chappell? No, Jan Chappell's Justin Blake 7. Oh, shit. And Shakedown. I think Stephen Grief's done some, hasn't he? He was in Primeval, wasn't he? As the baddie, wasn't he? Oh, of course he was. Yeah, almost, yeah. Okay, here's an interesting one. What swear word does the Doctor use in Ish to test the blocking device? You know, it goes beep. You actually do hear the word. It's the only recorded swear word that the Doctor's ever said. Uh, was it shit? Because that's like Ish. <laughs> it's not, oh, well, I was going to say it's not recorded because you've got John Pertwee going, oh, fuck. And I've got a lot of outtakes and stuff, haven't you? And all of that. So actually, technically, it's not. Perry, you're a total shit. <laughs> oh, oh, if this is about okay, some long ish. words, save it. I'm no, tired. No, 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 no. So, um, the actor that voiced Book yeah. in this, Moray Treadwell. Oh, I know he's been in another story. Appears in another big finish that's coming up that we are doing very soon and here's oh no I'm not going to say I can't give you too much of a clue what does he appear in is he in a Sarah Jane audio yes is it Ghost Town no Neurosignal Maneuver no it is the Teo Connection oh just listen to that just listen to it my god Will Butley not the man who was no, sucking no. off the boys. No, no, I think he was the bodyguard one of the old man. Oh, was he? No, I think he's the gay man. No, Will Butley, no. Yeah. 
Oh, he was a patient at the clinic. Yeah, he's the old man, the one you he's said was gay. really scary. Oh, yeah, no, it is. Okay, that's book. It's that book? Yeah. Wow, what a versatile actor. Wow, here he sucks off boys well as well. Oh, so this one's the one that's 300 years old? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll talk about him. That's book. <laughs> book. For the rapture, what are the name of Ace's parents? As named in this story. I've completely gone blank. I've completely gone blank. It's Audrey and Harry McShane. Ah, Harry. I should have known Audrey, <clears throat> shouldn't I? Yeah, but because they appear again in in forty five. What? Can I ask you a question? What's wrong with Dorothy McShane as a name? I mean, it's more interesting than Joe Ford. <laughs> yes, it's a bit of a tongue twister. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, anyway, next question. You said that a bit quick. Next question. Uh, hang on, we're doing the rapture question, are we? Yeah. In the rapture, we have Daniel Wilson as Brian. Yeah. Uh, he has been in an audio that we've already done. Are all your questions. What? Well, it's interesting. We're in... all learning together, aren't we? Okay. What has? Who has he played already? Right, I don't know. I don't reckon. Narrow down in the Sixth Doctor's story. Was he in Apocalypse think. Element? No. Was he in Spectre of Lonely Moor? No. Was he in The Marion Conspiracy? No. Okay. Tell me. He was Eddie in Project Twilight. Eddie? Is that the croupier? I think he gets killed, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what are you doing to Eddie? I remember him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, does the Benice Summerfield audio, the bone of contention, which also takes place on the clutch, the location of the Sandman, does it take place before or after the Sandman? My question's a bit more interesting, you know. A bit more varied. Does it take place before? Is the correct answer! Also featuring Mordecai. Yay! (coughs) Okay, last question. We've, of course, got Annika Wills in the Sandman, oh, haven't we? Yes. When does she appear next in A Big Finish? That's... Well, she's Charlie's mum, isn't she? She's Charlie's mum in... Zagreus. Yay! And her right. name is... Oh, God, what's her name? Lady something Pollard. Uh, Elspeth? Lady Louisa? Lady Louisa. Lady Louisa Pollard. Oh, Charlie, you will insist on going out and being an Edwardian adventurer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there we go. Well done, I think. Um, I don't know who who won that that either. But people learn some facts. We all learn, yes. Which is lovely. Right, well, all we have now is to say where we're going next. Boom, 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 boom. Sarah. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Sarah. That doesn't happen. So we are doing the first you series. You listen to the Sarah Jane Smith music. Sarah Jane. You can hear someone just going, Sarah. Hardly. Can Hardly. you hear it though? We'll talk about that in the episode. Fine. Anyway, we're doing the first five releases in that first series. That's right. You bloody pisses me off, that Sarah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, OSJ. <laughs> and what does Nat say? Um... I won't be your victim. <laughs> no, <she doesn't. laughs> well, uh, very interesting because yes, return of Elizabeth Sladen to big Barry finish. Terence Sticks. And it ain't a Sarah Jane Adventures, is it? We've got David Bishop in there. Yeah, we've already done a couple of these. We've had some fabulous old slaggy old queens in it, haven't we? <laughs> As written by Barry Letts. <laughs> Yay, Barry Letts, Terence Sticks. Anyway, oh, we shall see you then for that. But in the meantime, in the meantime. 
finish. Big. Big. Big.